Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Day 57 of the program, we are rolling into week eight here, which is the perfect time to have this conversation with my guest today. Dr. Beverly is back. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. I'm back. <laughs> so these are the topics that I want to get into uh, today. So body image, that was a big one from our last conversation, especially how that factors into people's weight loss journeys before they've lost weight, after they've lost weight, while they're trying to lose weight. Um, following through, we are at the midway point of the program. It tends to get messy in the middle. Um, you know, what does it take to follow through? How can we get out of our own way? Maybe touch on sabotage in there. I'm sure that plays a, a role somewhat. And then sleep. You are not only a clinical psychologist, but you are also a world-renowned sleep research <laughs> researcher. Um, and we're going to talk about sleep. We, we've had sleep experts on before, but more in terms of like sleep hygiene, trying to get the best possible sleep. I, I want to talk to you about how not getting enough sleep can factor into someone's weight loss journey. Do you think we have enough time or should we book off the next six hours? Oh, for the <laughs> I think we could try. <laughs> Wow. Ambitious. Ambitious, Gina. But okay, so let's start with um let's start with body image because you know wow, what what now that I say it out loud, it's such a it's a big topic. Um I would imagine it has to do with self-love, accepting yourself. This this body positivity movement has been around for a while. I, I think it's amazing, but I also think on the other side of that, it tends to really be tied into people's weight. Mm-hmm. When I believe that you should love yourself at whatever size. And then there's that, you know, we hear from so many people when it comes to weight loss specifically, they didn't realize they, they had the weight issue that they realized they have until they looked in a mirror or saw a photo. And then on the other side of that, even when you lose your weight, it can be hard for you to reconcile that you've lost the weight and you still think that you're this person that you saw in that photo before. So how, how do we even approach this? Where do, where do we start with this conversation? Oh, that. <laughs> yes, well, where do we begin? I would say that body image, it actually doesn't matter what size you are. People of all sizes, all heights, mm. all weights, all skin tones, all genders, we there's body image everywhere, you know. So we, we are not just looking at body image in people that may be carrying weight that they they want to lose or or weight that they're not happy with so it it's in a lot of us and it probably comes from that early on messaging that we get first of all we're we're quite quickly compared to one another even at school you know we're lined up the tallest maybe to the shortest or we're comparing our reports did you get an a did I get a b did I get c and so body image is included in that as well you know whether we're you know, tall, whether we're above average, less than average and things like that. And I think we just start absorbing this. And that part of that, the brain that I talk about so often is on the lookout to, uh, am I fitting in? Am I adequate? Am I good enough? And so when it creeps into that idea, what do we look like on the exterior? You know, is my hair straight enough? Is it long enough? Is it shiny enough? Is my skin, you know, clear so many visible things we start concentrating on that wow we really are going to need six hours for this conversation (laughs) my goodness okay let's try to focus it in on i guess i mean i love that you pointed that out because i think we need to normalize body image not associated to the size of your body and weight that it's like it's far more expansive than that um so i think that's a good thing to point out but let's let's focus in on and i know this is so individual so i don't even know if there's a way to do it people and their when it comes to your weight and someone trying to lose weight is there a way that you can recognize that you are 
dealing with body image? And then how do you reconcile that? I think that probably when people know that they're preoccupied with something and it's spending a lot of their time during the day, that's how psychologists will often measure whether something is becoming something we would work with or, or a disability or, you know, maybe even a diagnosis that too much of a day and too much of a week and too much of a month and a year is spent focusing on something, you know? So if we're, we're, um, you know, scrutinizing our skin too long, if we're looking in the mirror or not at all looking in the mirror, so it's, it's that time spent. Okay. But so, yeah. So now my mind is just like, because when it comes to weight loss, people can spend all day, every day, 20 years of their life trying to lose weight. Yeah. It's, and, and like you said, it's interesting how our perception misses a lot of things. Now we have two marvelous eyes, you know, and we have two for a reason to see depth and, and distance and, um, and to see perspective and, and things like that. But we often don't see what, what is actually there. And we know with psychological experiments that we can trick our eyes. We can see different things through visual illusions that some of you might have even done at school or if you'd ever done a a little psychology 101. But what we see in the mirror might not be at all what is representative of of ourselves. And so we've probably a lot of us can look back to photographs 10 years ago or five years ago when we thought, oh, I didn't like me then, or I didn't like this then. And now we look at it with fresh eyes and we think, oh my goodness, if I could go back, you know, it's all of this sort of being in the moment. We're not noticing what is. Yes, um, and it's that going- happens a lot. I hear that a lot with people like, wow, you know, when you are 30, you look back and you at photos when you were 20 and be like, oh my goodness, I thought I was, you know, fat for lack of a better word. Then I looked amazing. And then when you're 40, you look at photos when you're 30 and you think, oh my goodness, I I would love to go back and look like I did when I'm 30. And then when we're 50, we look at when we're 40. So, so it's in the, what, what can we do then in the moment to, to be more accepting? Is it acceptance of ourselves or is it a psychological thing that we need to work through and have a breakthrough on? It's definitely a loop that we're on. And for anything where we are repeating something, just like the habit conversation last week, we have to now notice if we're doing that. We have to notice how much time are we spent scrutinizing something about ourselves. And now we've got to change the script. Now we've got to do the exercises around body acceptance and body just knowing what is in front of us um, and changing what we say about it. And a lot of that, you know, there's, there's guidelines on this. And one thing that we'd always recommend is start really appreciating what your body can do instead of what you think it looks like, because that's just the exterior. And when I teach young people about the body, we've all had that How My Body Works book when we were little people, and it is phenomenal. The body is magic. You know, if we, you know, I've studied up for over the weekend to remember how wonderful the body is. Now think of the skeletal system, 206 bones, you know, that are, you know, so strong um, and, you know, can be reinforced. It's, it's stronger than concrete, stronger than steel, and they can get stronger if we exercise or if we work, work at work. Well, I love this because that's that deeper level of understanding. Like it, like it's when people have a hard time not snacking at night. If you can understand truly that, that most of that is probably habit, mm-hmm. you're used to eating at night, it's coping, it's how you utilize food, and that the body has no natural need to eat after dark. Your body starts producing melatonin to wind your body down, to get it ready for a nice deep sleep. You know, it, di- you know, digestion takes a lot of work. So I think if you have that deeper level of understanding, then you have that maybe that more of a, an appreciation or just understanding in general with what you're dealing with that'll help you at least get an end to what you need to work through. And it's redirecting the negative thoughts because if you're looking just at the exterior, you're missing the marvelous body. You know, mm-hmm. we really are. You know, I, I could list it out, you know, um, 
when if even if I if I've got little notes to remind me, if I think to say like the brain is only three pounds and it contains one billion nerve endings. Yeah. So that's just amazing just to think about, you know, the um the heart, to think about that tiny little eleven ounce organ, a muscle pumping three thousand gallons around every day, our bodies, beating two point five billion times over an average lifespan. Okay, at a pace that any other muscle would just fatigue out. And how amazing it is because it has two sides, one that can pump so hard that it can circulate the, the blood around the whole body to oxygenate us, and the other side so gently that it doesn't hurt our lungs. It's, it's okay. so intricate. And if we focus on this amazing, amazing body, then we're going to start replacing those negative thoughts. Okay, I see where you're going with this because this is like you wake up in the morning, you have that negative thought, I'm a failure, I suck, I whatever. So then you're throwing out, no, I'm not, I'm showing up, I'm, you know, I'm proud of what I, I'm doing. I and this is thing. You know, that is what we want to say. I actually woke up. That's incredible. You've slept. You've slept right. And you're broken and your and your body works and you're able to sit up in bed and you're able to get out of bed. You're you're you know, your bladder works. You you go and have a wee. All of these incredible things are just, we're just missing them. We're thinking, what what is my body lacking instead of what is my body doing? It's it's so, so incredible. So let me, let me summarize this because what you're saying is when it comes to body image, appreciating your body, having that deeper level of understanding and how it works and how truly amazing it is will sort of create this uh, appreciation at the very least or love for the fact that you woke up or your body does this, the body does that. So very similar to when we're having those negative thoughts about ourselves, we throw positive thoughts about ourselves to kind of to, to capture it, mm-hmm. cancel it and correct it. So when it comes to body image specifically, one of the ways that you can do that is focus more positively, positively, positive, but it's morning. Any positively focus on, on, on one, <laughs> on one of our body. On how it actually functions and how amazing it is. Okay. I think that's really important. I think that's really important. Okay. Love that. Okay. And in psychology, we, we, we don't mind us being able to have two, two, two statements. You know, we might want, we might want to lose some weight and our body is marvelous. I might want to lose some weight, but my, my body is moving me around and, helping me get to work so we are allowed to have both but we need to start having having this and you know and it can see through the window and it can hear the birds and it can smell the roses you know it's 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 so incredible that's that's really important because I say this all the time you can love yourself and still want to lose weight perfect that's just perfect that is the a, a wonderful statement Okay, but the problem, the issue then is more that we can love ourselves and still want to lose weight, but we tend to focus more and be proactive on the weight loss part of it rather than on the love ourselves mm-hmm. part of it. A lot of people will think, like last week's talk, if this, then, if mm-hmm. I, you know, was this, or if I was, if I lost this much, I would be this. And we've got to think, you are already wonderful. You're already good enough. You just want to strive for maybe health or a trip or longevity, but your body is already serving you. So we don't want to beat it up. Otherwise it's going to, it's going to create, you know, we haven't talked much about it, but the stress hormones, and I'm sure you've covered that, the cortisol, and that is not good for the body feeling safe and sound to be able to be healthy. Cortisol will then help you retain weight. Um, so we want to have a, a, a body that is happy in its own skin. Okay. So how do we know it's failure or body image or what? So I get up this morning 
and I'm trying to be healthier and my stress levels are crazy. My stress has been crazy and my hormones are off and I got all this going on. And, you know, this weekend I shut her down and I was active and I guarded and I stayed off my phone and I feel amazing and I'm so proud of myself. And I get up and I, you know, I'm like, wow, what a wonderful day. And I had such a great weekend. And I get on the scale and it's showing not only that my scale isn't down, it's not up. And I immediately get funky about it. Mm. I'm like, well, what is that? It, what is, what is that? Is, is that, is that body image where I'm like, or is that feeling like a failure or what is that? It's tricky because it's my, it might be focusing on the wrong thing. And I know the program is to look at the, the scales and get to know the scales, but that is when we have to look at hang on, what did I feel like this weekend? How did I, uh, you know, see Saturday and what did I do Sunday and who did I visit? And so it's when we probably get into the bad habit of just looking at one thing, like we've talked about, and then generalizing it that I have failed. If that one thing hasn't changed, I'm a, I'm, I am a failure and it's, it's just not true, but you know, that it, it's difficult. It's difficult because it's part of the program is, is getting to know our ebbs and flows of the, of the way the, the scales. So let me ask you, so is that, is it like we just don't get on the scale and we just don't look at ourselves? I, I've worked with so many clients that I'm not looking at myself. I'm not looking in the mirror. I don't like the way I look. So is it, is it, is it best to, I mean, obviously everyone should just come see you at the end of the day. <laughs> Sharon just come see you. But so I believe in kind of facing it. I believe walking through that fire. I believe the program does a great job of bringing up the things to make you aware. And this is where I love where you come in and give us the tools to kind of to process and to work through these things and get to the other side of them. So is that like, do you just knock it on the scale? Do you just not look at yourself or like you, you like thoughts? It's interesting that the the jury would be out, but I think as you describe it to try and get used to being on the weighing scales and that it's it's just a tool. It's not a measure of your worth. Mm. If we're mixing up the two, this this number means something. I'm worthless, I'm useless, I I'm unlovable, then that's dangerous, you know. But if it's just information that we start noticing, wow, it's it is slow and steady and we plateau. And when we're hot, you know, our body will remarkably change everything, you know, and I, we might hold fluid to cool down. Um, so if we're using it for that reason, good. But if we're just watching it and watching it and watching it and thinking it's just not changing, not changing, we're whipping ourselves with it, then it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, we're here. We might as well do the work. That's really what this is all about. Okay. What about, what about I, you know, I lost a bunch of weight. I used to be an extra large. I'm now a medium. I go into the store. I'm just pulling this off of one of the comments that I'm, I'm seeing and I try on the clothes and there's a couple things happening. People will pull out the XL, even though they're a medium and not even be like they, and then they have to try on smaller and try on smaller. Like they're trying to reconcile this one. Body image is the hardest part at this point for me. I try going to stores to buy new clothes. I've gone from an XXL to a medium. I tried, I try things on, look in the mirror and 90% of the time I leave, I leave with nothing. Uh, went with a Libby loser friend. She encouraged me or made me <laughs> actually purchase three things. However, I tried on a fitted dress and everyone at the store said it looked great, but I just couldn't buy it. This whole body image thing is so hard. Yeah. Like you lose the weight and you still struggle. It's is that because it was never about the weight to begin with your body image? Probably, probably because it's, it, well, it's probably a mix. It's so deep. You know, pe- we all know people that have told stories about even when cosmetic surgery is done, the person doesn't feel any different. Yeah. You know, um, so it does start inside. It starts loving yourself inside and realizing that this this uniform we wear through our lives is just that. It's to get us through day to day. It's a vehicle. Um, and if we can find other things that we enjoy, friendships, uh, occupation, family, hobbies and things like that, we're going to take the um, focus off external body image. Um, but that, it, of course, 
when we're so used to going into a, a, a store and not being happy with the result or reaching for a particular size, that's going to be absolutely mm. habitual, you know. And then it, it's practice. It's it's slow and steady and extinguishing those old old patterns. Oh, okay. Because just because you've lost the weight physically doesn't mean that things have changed mentally. So yeah. if you used to go into a store, you tried on the clothes, you hated everything, and that ch- chances are you go back into that store, even though you've lost the weight, you still hate everything. Yeah. What's this one? I still wear baggy clothes three times too big. I just cannot wear tight clothes. Yeah. Like it's that, that's so huge. Looking, you see, because if you are, if you have body image and you don't want people looking at you, then you might not want to be dressing so that people look at you. You know, you still might be a shy person, you know. Um, Shy people might choose different than confident people. And it doesn't matter what weight you are. You know, we know probably know lots of positive people that are bigger and smaller than us, you know, and it's their personality and it's their temperament and it's probably those scripts from when they were little. Are they okay. So this feeds into a bigger conversation because I say to people, I worked with clients in the past and it's like they start to sabotage themselves as soon as they begin, they believe it's, it's real and they can do it. And I, and I say to them, maybe, maybe your weight, weight and the size of body you are at now works for you. Like you want to lose the weight, but you don't want to lose weight. And they're like, what are you talking about? I want this so bad. I've been trying. I'm like, yeah, but for, for a lot of people, the size of their body, um, prevents them from being more social, from dating, from getting close to people, from drawing attention that that's a big one, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to lose weight and then look good because some people are going to look at me. So how do you, that's huge, right? Because you want to lose the weight and even health wise, you feel uncomfortable in your body and you want to play with your kids or your grandkids and you, you know, all these things, but this, this thing is preventing you. Where do we even start with that? You're, you're very wise because often a question I would will gently, not the very start, but gently once you get to to know a person well enough, you might be able to talk about that, to, to talk about what does that thing why would you want to keep it? You know, because we get to know that part of us, even if it's a part of us that holds us or people think holds us back, it might serve a purpose. Like you've said, anxiety might keep us safe in our house. You know, if we have social anxiety, we might not got to go out and put ourselves out on, on a public forum. And so you're right. And it, it sort of helps a lot of people stay safe, you know, in what they think or perceive as safety. Um, and that is true. You know, what does that mean, you know, to suddenly be social or dating or, or, you know, a lot of people, it's the reverse. They haven't enjoyed being seen as sexy or beautiful or, you know, had people's attention. And so they've intentionally tried to not be uh, attractive. Maybe they were bullied for being attractive because people call them horrible things, you know, because it's 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 everywhere. You know, people can be mean to everyone, you know, out of jealousy or out of cruelty or, or bullying. Um, it's really so how does, so how do you work through that then? How do you, how do you recognize that you are a f- resistant to making change? Hmm. Probably, pro- probably it's that with it, it's hard. You know, if people yeah. come to see me, the first question I ask is, is why now? You know, why are you coming now? Um, what do you hope? What would you, how would we know if it worked, if we worked well together? So we sort, we set some goals, you know, to think what would it look like? And, yeah. and what would I see you doing if we reached those goals? Would you be applying for that job? Would you go, it, go on a dating site? Would you do that presentation? Would you go to that store and try on that dress? Like, how would we know if we were making progress? Because it's, it's really hard. We can talk all we want, but if we don't walk the walk, we didn't do it. You know, we can talk ourselves into it. Um, but we, if, unless we step into the store, we haven't allowed ourselves to experience something new to think it did work. I did manage it or I was able to tolerate that discomfort. But what I, what, Sorry, I, go ahead. what I do with also psychology is 
There's something called the five P's that I build anybody's formulation on. And a formulation is their, their map, what's going on for that individual person. So the first P is the word presenting. What are they coming to me with? What are they presenting with? And they might say I'm presenting with anger, anxiety. Uh, they might present with low self-esteem or that they are presenting with that they can't make keep a job. They keep getting fired. So there's the P that they believe is the presenting thing, but I'm always cautious. I say that always appears maybe obvious, but maybe it's deeper. You know, maybe it's self-worth, maybe it's attachment, maybe it's all sorts of things, but it, it that's the iceberg. You know, they might come and say, could you help my little boy? He's really, you know, angry all of the time. Or maybe he's sad. Okay, so we might label it as angry, but it might be sad. So the second P, and the, and that first P, the presenting, is what our goals are around. You know, well, let's let's help move these. The right. second P um, is the predisposing factors. So that's your early on stuff. That's your, uh, when it's nature, nurture, it's what you were born with. It's how epigenetics comes down. So we are... We are created from our ancestors, you know. So if our, if we look at our family tree and there's been famine or if there's been all, you know, war, then our body is going to have changed along the way. We we also want to see what kind of parenting did you have? Did you have good enough parenting? Was were there consistent messages? Was there gentle boundaries? Was that attachment strong? Could you rely on somebody? Did you believe your needs? mattered and did, were your needs met because that's really important that's where we learn it if we didn't get it there then we haven't got a good attachment even to ourselves our, Which in, is, our internal voice is what we were told you know are you okay you know soothe self-soothing comes from that person that was patient with us yeah, this is why you always see the typical like uh, model of psychology is someone lying on a couch talking about when they were five years old. Go back to when it started, right? There, there. This, I mean, this is, this is. We know this now. This is not just like woohooiness, and yeah. you know, this is this is really where it goes back. It's why my that. logo is the heart and the brain because without love, your brain can't reach its potential. So if you haven't been loved, your wiring, your circuitry is going to be more negative. The world is dangerous. I, nobody can be trusted. I only have myself. But, you know, how good am I? Like, it can be a, a, a nasty cycle. Um, but we know that we can get out of it. We know that we can. We know about the neuroplasticity. So then we get to the sort of done presenting, predisposing. So now we've got the precipitating P. What's happened just before? Like, we go back, and that's that, that's that river of life thing. Did anything happen just before that then led to that? You know, there's going to be lots of people that talk to me in 10 years, and maybe COVID will be the precipitating factor for something. That's when school went wrong, or that's when socially I became more anxious, you know, or that's when the marriage fell apart was, you know, COVID. Something precipitated it. It might be puberty. It might be a breakup. It might be somebody saying a mean thing about a body. I remember, I remember a girl I knew said something so mean about a girl's bits and pieces that I internalized it and I've never been able to get that out of my head because I think, oh my goodness, that's what people can say. So the precipitating factor is the, the trigger. Then we look at the fourth P and this is the important one. Why is it staying? This is the perpetuating P. Okay. So Anxiety is useful. Grief is important. Anger is necessary. All of these human emotions are there to serve us. But if it stays, you know, if we have insomnia, it's probably there for a reason to begin with. But if it stays for 20 years, then I've got to think, what is perpetuating this? Why is it yes. happening? You know, people yes. will say, well, my sleep went wrong when I had my children 20 years ago. And it's never got back on track. So then I'm looking at the cycle and thinking, okay, what are we doing? Are we concentrating too much on sleep? Are we doing nothing because we're too tired? Are we drinking too much coffee? Do we now have everything we need because we think we need it for sleep in the white noise, the mask, the ear, like it's over, overdoing it. It's overkill. So that's the perpetuating thing that we start to break. And that's those thoughts, feelings, behavior, and the brain. Um, and we start unpacking it to change 
the wiring, to start hardwiring happiness, to focus on other things instead of that thing that has caught our attention. And then the final P is our protective factors. So what is already brilliant about us? What have we already got in our toolkit, um, in our utility belt? You know, and often it's that they're interested in in learning more, that they yeah. turned up, that it's t- it feels like time. And it doesn't matter if it feels like time now and they disappear again for a year. Dip, they can dip their toe. Everything is a little bit closer to, to finding out about ourselves. Well, I wish everybody could do a, like a course in psychology just to understand ourselves, you know. It would be well, wonderful. Well, you're kind of doing this now. Maybe you should run a little mini psychology course. I got you one one. You've seen how long I talk, Gina. It would take years. Same. <laughs> Same. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I mean, I love this so much. And, and this is what I love about the program, too. It's just it's so much more than what you are eating and when. And this is where the diet industry has duped us. Calories in, calories out, eat less, exercise more. It's so easy. No, it's fucking not. It's not easy because the physical part of it, maybe yes. You know, follow any diet, right? Burn calories, whatever, you're going to lose that weight. I mean, there is that whole, you know, the the physical part of it, your body needing to gain it all back plus more. But deeper than that, when you go about losing weight in the right way, which is what we are doing with this program, the process, healthy, nutrient-rich foods, paying attention to our body's needs, allowing that plateaus to happen, help the body slip, by the way, all of that, it's the mental part of it. That's the biggest part. And this is what we are learning in our maintenance group is that you can lose the weight. Yes, and be ready physically to move on, but mentally there's there's so much more work to do. In fact, we know from our focus groups and uh uh Professor Ruth Kane at the University of Ottawa who's studying the living method, she talks about how it seems to be so much easier for people who spent longer trying to lose weight. So someone who has 80 pounds, say they lost 80 pounds and they had to do three or four groups in order to do it. It's a lot easier for them to move on on the other side, as opposed to someone who lost their weight quickly mm-hmm. in one group tends to struggle a lot more on that maintenance part of it. I mean, this, yeah. this, all of this. Quick, it, it's anything quick and we might have missed the, the learning. You know, we mm-hmm. can all cram for an exam, but did we, do we remember it the week later? Like, it's and and that has been and is still a lot of weight programs. It's a quick fix. It's fast, and of course, then it comes back, and then that then feeds that perpetuating cycle. You know, it. I'm back here again. What's wrong with me? And then there's nothing wrong with you. It's that we didn't get to know the full you, the whole you, the inside of you. You know. Ah, so when people keep sabotaging themselves, and they say to themselves. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. If you keep repeating this pattern, chances are you, you still need to work on it and then work through it. So recognizing that you're doing doing it is huge. Yeah. Okay. This, um, what you said here, without love, the brain can't reach uh, its true potential. Oh, full potential. Yeah. Full potential. So if we didn't get love, can we yeah. 
give it to ourselves. So many people are in search of love. They're wanting things from other people. I think if you can't love yourself, you can't receive love from other people. How do we, without love, your brain can't reach its potential, right? I love this. And some have to learn to give themselves a love they never got. This is one from one of our, uh, from one of our members. So can you talk more about that? Because we talk about self-love. What, what does that mean? And, and, and it's not just taking Epsom salt baths, is it? <laughs> if only it was. Um, so our internal dialogue does come from those early experiences. It, it doesn't have to be a parent. It can be any attachment figure. It can be mm-hmm. a coach, a teacher, um, a neighbor, a granny, a grampy, an aunt and uncle. And if you imagine a child, when we have a, a very containing person. A containing person means they they hold our emotions. They take it and they contain it. So if a little person is crying, we'll pick up the little person. And we quite intuitively, if everything's okay, we'll intuitively sway. We'll intuitively stroke their back and then our heart rate will go up to meet theirs. And then we'll say things like, there, there, you're okay. I'm here. I wonder what's going on. So our voice has gone up. And this means we've met their feelings. They're listening, they're smelling, they're feeling our heart, heart rate, and they're noticing our patience with them. And if we then talk through, I wonder what it could be. Is it your nappy? And we might smell their nappy. No, not your nappy. I wonder if you need some milk. You might try some milk. Not your milk. You don't need any milk. I wonder if you need a burp. And then there's the burp. And then the baby feels this relief. And this relationship is happening. This person made my world feel better. This person made whatever I felt, because they don't know where they're feeling icky at that age. They just know that this person was really nice to have around. And a brain is very quick to wire to know who the people are to go to for that. Um, Now, if we have the opposite, a person that doesn't do this dance, okay, of reciprocity, if we go, I don't know what it is, I changed your nappy, I already fed you, I I don't know, I don't know. Now we've gone above the baby's um, nervous system and now we've overwhelmed them. Okay, so now they're going to go, And that's our inside voice. If we're gentle with ourselves, it means we probably had somebody that was gentle with us that didn't just say, get up, get up. There's nothing wrong with you. Okay. They'd say, what happened? Let me see your knee. Okay. It's quite emotional because you want everybody to have had had a good start, but that's our inside voice. And if we've missed it, we might miss those internal love just you know, positive, unconditional regard for ourselves. So what you're saying is that our internal voice can be a learned behavior. It's what we've been taught it. Yeah, we've heard it. We've listened. We've felt it. We we have no language when we're tiny apart from body language, pre-verbal language. Um, so before then, we can still feel soothed, but we won't know why. If If something happened, we... It'll, there's implicit and explicit memory. Implicit is mem- implicit memory is those that we didn't have words for. Explicit is that we can remember it and speak of it. Like, oh, I fell over when I was five and my mum picked me up or my dad picked me up. But it matters. Those early years, zero to three, are so important. Um, but it doesn't mean we can't seek it. If we're noticing that we don't have that or we don't trust people or we don't, believe people that compliment us or if we think there's a hidden agenda we want to probably you might need a little bit of support around attachment but we also want to look for it elsewhere you know we want to find people that are lovely and encouraging and supportive and authentic and genuine even when it's when they need to say the tough things like you know what you did probably didn't help in that situation but let's find a solution because that's that's good parenting. And that's what we need to do for ourselves and have friends do for us when we're older. Kind, kind and considerate. Well, you know, when we, when we bring it back to weight loss and diet culture, which is really interesting. First of all, I think everyone just wants to be loved. Right. And, um, but what's really interesting is, is a few years back, I started, I, I worked at a gym 
And um, it was a great gym and they had great classes. I, I'm not knocking it at all. Um, but I would, what would happen is the, the women would go and they would bust their ass in class. I mean, these classes are amazing. They are seriously hardcore, um, super effective, obviously, for, you know, for all the things that fitness is amazing for. And they would talk about how they want to lose weight. And then they would, after class, sit on a couch together and then talk about how they want to lose weight and they want to do this, want to do that. And then somehow the conversation always leads to, well, oh my goodness, I, you know, ate a whole bag of cookies last night and, you know, and I drank wine. I did this. Next thing you know, rather than saying, why did you do that? You know, you've been working so hard towards your goals. They're swapping cookie recipes. Like it seems like people, and I'm going to say women in general, I'm really generalizing because um, I would do what I'm, I'm, you know, I'm mindful of an inclusive conversation, but um, my experience around women is they're not very supportive of each other. And this is what I love about our community. So our community is, it definitely is different. We're changing that. But because um, we go into these deeper conversations, but women are not very supportive of other women's weight loss journeys, right? When, when someone gets on the scale, oh my God, I'm so disappointed in this, or I ate, uh, it's like they make jokes. Like, I, I don't like those memes that make jokes about weight. No, I ate the whole thing and whatever. Cause I don't think it's funny. I think that if someone has spent a lot of time and energy and money, and especially a lot of time, years trying to lose weight, it's not funny. Yeah. When they keep doing things that work against them, because it may be funny on the surface, but I know that person is really struggling or hurting internally. And mm-hmm. it seems like women, we're not very supportive of each other working towards um, weight loss goals specifically. It's always like, oh, you don't need to lose anyway. Oh, you're fine. Or do you know what I mean? Or we, or we get in on the conversation and we're swapping cookie recipes. So it seems to me that people want that reinforcement and that love and that tough conversation. You want someone in your life that says, okay, well, you, you talk about losing weight every day. You were trying so hard. So what's, what's eating the bag of cookies all about? Like, why, why did you do that? You know, that doesn't seem to serve a purpose rather than giving you a, you know, my cookie recipe. How, what is that all about? That's, oh, Gina. Oh, that's, that's a lot of things. That's social psychology as well. It's not wanting to offend. It's wanting to join in. It's wanting mm. to not be that person that, that speaks up and and does, it doesn't want to shame the person. But you are right. If it's gentle, if we know the person well enough and they've shared a goal, you know, I have, I'm so blessed to have such good friends. And when, you know, when I was studying, one of my friends, lovely Mel, was just, she knew I was spiraling. She knew what I had to do. And she said, let's make a plan. I'm going to come over and let's put it down on paper so that you know if someone can be there to look after Leo. Friends like that do help you reach your goal. And, and yeah. you've got to be able to speak of the goal first. You've got to be able to put your hand up and say, this is where I'd like to go and where I'd like to be. And we do, and doing it alone is really difficult. So you are right. We need cheerleaders and we need them to help us. It's why AA works. It's why I think when we are able to say, yes, we've been there. Yes, we've experienced, you know, whatever that support group looks like, at least we're speaking our truth instead of, oh, I don't really mind. I've just eaten the cookies. We do mind. You're right. There's probably, and you, you're probably very empathic to that. You probably can see that isn't the, that probably isn't the truth of what the person just said. You know, it's yeah. like people say, oh, I didn't get picked for the rep team. It doesn't matter. It probably has crushed them. You know, if we're able to say, I really thought I would this time, but there we are next time. I'll keep, I'll keep training that we need to be able to be more honest. But again, our, our childhood conversations, if we didn't experience it landing with somebody that could hold our feelings with our honesty, you know, then we're not going to do it now. We're going to be very guarded. We're not supposed to share our vulnerable stuff with the wrong people, you know, because it can be very damaging. I think this is, I, I'm just like, as you're talking, I'm like, this is why we created these groups and this community and what's, you know what I mean? That, that passion that I have for wanting to, them to stay a safe, positive space and positive doesn't mean toxic positivity where we're just like only positive conversations, very real conversations and holding space for people 
who are frustrated, you know, who are having some really heavy and, and, and really deep feels. Um, I, I'm mindful of time. So I want to transition into this concept of following through. Right. So is it, but then as I say it, and I looked at my notes, I'm like, well, isn't this conversation that we're having part of following through, like what stops us from following through? Like we're at the midway point now, obviously there's a lot of things <laughs> that we're dealing with. Um, how do you have any tips for like, okay, I'm, I'm really struggling here. Um, maybe I'm dealing with this. Maybe I'm dealing with that. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 um, practicing the, the three C's and the five P's, you know, um, <laughs> so how do I, Tips for to following through. Like to me, I'm like, okay, progress over perfection. That's a big one. I do believe in that. And to me, I think there's so much to be said about starting and finishing. And I think even if you haven't done it perfectly, even if you've just bombed the whole thing, if you are, if you're listening to this conversation now and you're still here in week eight, like keep going, follow through and be here at the end. Even if you just half ass the whole thing, I think there's so much to be learned and felt by following through. You know, you finished, but do you have tips? Like what, what is like, do you have tips for people? who maybe are struggling, who are dealing with these things, how do we get them across the finish line? How we, how do we get them to be here at the end? You just said it. I think, I think that was really motivational. You're right. Remember that journal of health psychology said it, you know, people that don't finish their, their self-efficacy goes down and their belief in themselves goes down. So you're right. Follow through, be there. You know, we've all, We've all got through school with different grades. You know, we've all finished, you know, maybe a running race with different times. It doesn't matter. It's the taking part that counts, you know. Um, but let's have a think. So there's this, there's this fate. psychology love drawing and we love models. So there's the models of stages of change, what readiness for change. And there's, and there's more words. So it, there's a pattern to it. So there's this pre-contemplative bit. There's a bit where people don't know that they want to change yet. They don't know. They don't know that they they could. They don't. They don't know. They don't know about it. So pre-contemplative is pre-thinking about it. So everybody's probably moved already in. Okay, because when you're pre-contemplative, you're not even looking for stuff. Contemplative, yeah. you might start searching. You might think, I think I want a bit of difference. I'm going to look into. Are there gyms? Is there a good fitness uh, program out there? Is there a good, you know, how to cook differently program out there? So we start getting a bit interested. So that's contemplative. Preparation is a little bit like, you know, when you're sending out your get ready sort of prep week, you know, get get things ready, have a look through, prepare ourselves. Because, of course, like we were saying last week with um, change in habits, instigation is the preparation to get the stuff in the house or to know what it's going to look like so that then we can execute it. So preparation okay. is the next bit. Action is what everybody's doing right now. They're all doing the doing it. Okay. They're all filling up their water bottles. They're all, um, remembering what, what to do and when to do it. And, and that is hopefully going to be helping the change because it's going to be by now hopefully getting a little bit automatic. And if you get to the end and you just automatically drink more water now every day, you have won. You've won yeah. and keep going because it is, it's just, we've got a lifetime for this. We've got a lifetime of learning. There's no, there's no race, you know, we want to just do it gently. And then maybe the next one, you get really good at the, the fruit snack, whatever it is, but that's the action. And action eventually, once we've done it long enough, will lead to maintenance where it's just quite automatic, where we can go with the flow, where we're not having to spend much cognitive effort thinking about things. We just naturally make our breakfast and it sort of is in tune with how hungry am I? I know if I'm that hungry, I'm going to make one egg. If I'm a bit hungrier, I'm going to make two. We're very, it's just very non-effortful. Okay. We've taken the effort out of it. Um, but we know that the stages of change, we go back and forth. So we know that humans will slip a little bit and we might go back a bit to a few stages and then we'll be contemplative again and we'll think, gosh, I'm feeling like I, my skin isn't as good. I wonder if I'm drinking as much water as I'm, because we become maybe complacent. And then we've just got to regroup. We've got to think, okay, 
what was I doing when it worked really well? And then redo. You know, that's what I say to people all the time. When were you really happy? And they might say, oh, I was really happy when I was reading books or making sure that I had like 10 minutes alone every day. And I was like, well, let's start there then. Let's redo what worked. Didn't you just summarize everybody's weight loss journey just now? I I think it's it. (laughs) I don't know. There's so much today, Gina, my head spinning. (laughs) You didn't know. You just like you talked about the process from wanting, thinking about dieting to finding the diet to preparing for the diet, taking action on the diet, following through on the diet, and the whole maintenance part of it. It's fucking brilliant. This is why I love you. Um, we honestly, we are running out of time. I we're gonna have to have you back. <laughs> Forever. I I get so anxious before though. Do you want to talk about that? We can talk it out. Um, These conversations with Dr. Beverly are everything. They're flowing with love, compassion, knowledge, realness, and so much grace. So grateful for all that Gina offers us through this program. I mean, this is it. It's not. You guys are working. I think when you are a a passion person or someone who cares, uh, you go into psychology, you want to help people, whatever that is, you you want to help people. And that's what I love about our guests. Um, They're really good at what they do, and they have this underlying passion for this is why we don't pay our guests straight up because we want people who are going to have legitimate honest passion for helping people and our members are working so fucking hard like they're doing the work this is no joke and especially if you are here week eight at this point all the bullshit i put you through over the last eight weeks do you know what i mean is i think that i think this is like if you're truly passionate about helping people this is such an amazing platform such an opportunity to actually make a difference and help real help people at the end of the day. Um, I know you would agree, Dr. Beverly, but I'm mindful of time. So I want to talk to you about sleep because we have like five minutes for another conversation. We'll take six hours. So we'll come back and we'll revisit this conversation, but talk to us about how sleep might or lack thereof mm-hmm. might affect someone's weight loss journey, especially psychologically. Cause this is a conversation we haven't had with our previous sleep experts who are more focused on, focused on sleep hygiene and getting quality sleep. So let's touch on that. What, what would a sleep conversation with you look like? What would that look like even? Very brain orientated. So whenever a psychologist wants to know why we do something, we're quite mean. We might take it away. We're going to just take away sleep and then watch like a a nasty experiment. And so what we notice very quickly, if we sleep deprive people and if we sleep deprive animals, very quickly, the prefrontal cortex is, is very stressed. And that prefrontal cortex, if you remember, the front of the brain is where we make decisions, where we plan, where we hold ourselves accountable, where we're able to manage risk and impulse. And by taking away our sleep, we take away that ability. So if I had my students come in and we sleep deprive them for, you know, one full night, the next day we would do tests on them. They would include verbal fluency. They'd um, include tasks where the only way that you can beat the task is by taking a step backwards. Um, we would make them a little bit annoyed and see how how able are they to manage their patience and their frustration. And we might put things out for them to choose. So the eating disorders clinic um, paired with the sleep um, uh, sleep clinic in Loughborough to see what happens. And people that are sleep deprived will pick the wrong things. And I I don't I want to use wrong in a loose term, but just not the things that if they want were planning to eat, they would make, you know, they're going to pick heavy carbohydrates, they're going to pick the pizza, they're going to pick the the crisps, they're going to pick the fried things, the salty things. Um because the prefrontal cortex is seeking it, but also they're un- unable to stop that impulse. Um, and it's all about that prefrontal cortex. The other thing that is extra difficult with the psychological part of of the brain is that then it's very hard to filter those negative thoughts. So when you're sleep deprived, if that front computer isn't able to say that's a negative thought, let's not dwell on that. It's they're just going to flood in. I'm this. I'm that. I'm worthless. And and we're less able to hit them back with the tennis racket. Um, so risk goes up, we might just think, okay, I'm going to 
eat the whole bag of, of crisps and another bag. I'm going to, you know, so we make choices. Then we feel worse about them. Then we will go all or nothing. I miss, I'm that. And it's all because we hadn't slept. That's one part of it. Also, if we then sleep deprive ourselves or shrink our sleep, our metabolism changes, our ability to manage glucose and sugar and things like that completely changes. So it's it's very tied into everything. You know, we're supposed to sleep one third of our lives. That's about 30 years. And Mother Nature did it on purpose. There's no replacement for it. It manages our body. It manages our brain. Our brain is in the computer that lets us manage everything else. Um, it's completely linked to the circadian rhythm, as is our gut, you know, so our digestive system is on the same circadian rhythm. So we absolutely want to, like you said, help our digestive system know the clock, you know, know what's happening. So it knows when to create the acids and the and digest. If we then suddenly start waking up and eating, our body goes, what? What's going on? So timing, timing of eating is important as well. So a sleepy brain is definitely, definitely going to make poor, poor food choices and, and not feel like exercising and not feeling like socializing and not turning up as well for work. And then all of that is part of the bigger picture. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that I asked even for, for, even for your quick summarization of sort of where, how sleep factors in, because the takeaway is if you're not getting sleep, it's making everything that you're trying to process and work through harder mentally. Mm -hmm. It, it, it absolutely has an impact on your body's metabolism, which is your, how, how hard your body's bodies work on a daily basis. I mean, we hear that a lot when it comes to weight loss and then also, you know, your digestive health as well. So, you know, and this is where I say, you know, sometimes it's not what you're eating and when it's the fact that you're not sleeping. Mm -hmm. And then I would imagine if you add stress to that, it's just a massive clusterfuck at the end of the day. So <laughs> not that there's nothing you can do about it. We are definitely going to, uh, we're definitely going to continue this conversation, but this is where really focusing on your sleep, any little bit that you can do, I'm sure you would agree in terms of sleep hygiene can make a difference. So there, there's hope for people who aren't getting a good sleep. Mm -hmm. There is. Um, and again, it takes a lot of what is perpetuating it, mm -hmm. you know, what if, and, and sometimes we're in bed far too long. Sometimes we're overthinking it. Um, we are avoiding fun things that would help our sleep. Um, mm -hmm. so there's lots to it. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is, is the gold standard way of managing it. And that goes through our, well, it goes, goes straight to the circadian rhythm first. It, it, it centers around how to get the clock back and just knowing what you're doing, a predictable, predictable pattern so that your brain knows when to expect sleep and when to expect daytime. Um, and so it uses that. And then eventually it will also catch those thoughts. You know, I won't manage tomorrow. I'll be so tired. And we challenge the thoughts then. What cognitive behavioral therapy, this was um, a big conversation at the obesity conference, the Canadian obesity summit that we were recently at. And this is where they're just now starting to look at that sort of missing piece, which of course we know, which is why you are here. Um, <laughs> what, what, just, just before we go, what is cognitive behavioral therapy? What is that? It's when I talk about that, that if you, if people think of a cross, like, like a clock or a compass, if you thought north or 12 o'clock, that's your thoughts. That's where we start understanding our thoughts, our thought biases, our negative automatic thoughts, our schemas, how we think about things. So okay. it deals with that. It teaches the then three o'clock part or the east part of that um, campus, which is our feelings or emotions. I, I sometimes think it's better for me to say emotions because it gets less confusing. So that relationships between the thought and emotions are really important. So we teach that very quickly, a bit like Friday when we were saying, you know, if we wake up and we're in a bad mood, our thoughts are very saturated by that mood. Vice versa, if we're thinking negatively, our emotions are going to, to follow. Then we come down to the south or the six o'clock part of the model, and that's our behaviors. What do we see? If I had binoculars, what would I see you doing? Would I see, and, and um, am I seeing you 
living in, in accordance with your values or not? Are you going out or are you not? Are you turning up or are you not? Are you running to the roller coaster or are you hiding in the car? That's going to give me an idea of how you're thinking and feeling about the situation. And then on the left-hand side, the nine o'clock or the west, um, that would be our brain and our body, actually the physical, like the physical version of feelings. So that's when we go into the fight, flight or faint. It's when our brain goes into autopilot and just, you know, takes over. So we need to have sleep for the brain. We need to have nutrients for the brain. We need to have love for the brain. And then the thoughts and the feelings and the behavior cycle can start changing. So we can we can start at any point there. We can just interfere with something. And that beautifully brings us back to that fourth P. That is the perpetuating cycle. Thoughts, feelings, behavior, body. Boom. Boom. If only it was that easy, though. I wish it was. It is really tricky. <laughs> it is really tricky. <laughs> I had really got to go, but I want to bring it back to next time as well. We're going to talk about sleep. We'll probably expand on this whole concept of, of cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm so glad I asked about that. But something you just said, the fight or flight or faint. Yeah. I want to get into the faint part of fight or flight because everyone talks about fight or flight. And then there's this whole faint thing. I, I'm for sure there's something there. We got to go. We are out of time. Um, I, I, I can't honestly thank you enough for your time. I'm already, I'm reading the comments. So I already know there's so many aha moments. I think it's just such an important conversation to be had. And I couldn't be more thrilled to have it with you, uh, Dr. Beverly. Uh, you can find Dr. Beverly at, uh, what's her website team? Can you pull it up? Yourpsychologycenter.ca. That's yourpsychologycenter.ca. Um, to find Dr. Beverly. Thank you, Gina. That was like fast and furious. I might have to lie on the grass outside. <laughs> it is star starshade. <laughs> it's how I roll. There's probably something behind that for sure, driving that. Um, I love you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.